You're listening to the American Alpine Club podcast. This is Hannah Provo, content manager at the American Alpine Club. In this episode, I sit down with the brains behind Climb United's new Pull Focus grant, industry leaders John and Jess Glassberg of Louder Than Eleven, as well as filmmaker and DEI consultant Cody Camerlin. The Pull Focus grant is a storytelling grant that provides BIPOC, LGBTQ individuals, and people with both seen and unseen disabilities the funds to create and share stories that reflect their communities all with the mentorship and resources of the Louder Than Eleven production company. John, Jess, Cody, and I talk about the inspiration for the grant, what the recipient can expect, epic tales from the set of climbing films, and why this all matters. John, Jess, and Cody, welcome to the podcast. Um, Let's get us started by um, introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about Louder Than Eleven, and then Cody, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, I can start. Um, I uh, I own the company Louder Than Eleven, and Jess is my wife, and she and I work together on all kinds of photo and video projects in the outdoor industry. Um, we're climbers, and we've been in the climbing world for a very long time. And I started out as a climber and a pro climber for many, many years that kind of transformed into a photo video guy. And our company, Louder Than Eleven, does all kinds of stuff from expedition coverage to um, documentary film to commercial work in the outdoor space. And um, we've done everything from live broadcasts to um, athlete bios to uh, you name it, uh, feature docs. So we're pretty entrenched in the climbing space as a production company. And um, Jess and I spend our our day in day out kind of just on the outdoor industry uh, photo video grind. Um, Louder Than Eleven has a studio in Boulder, Colorado, and we have a couple little offices and we have a little um, studio space where we have a psych that we shoot in front of and we have all kinds of production equipment there and we do all kinds of things from commercial work to you know portrait work, all that stuff in our space there. So that's kind of Louder Than Eleven in general. Um, and a little bit more, I guess Jess could fill you in a little bit more on what else we do. Yeah, I'm Jessica. I am, um, I'm a, mainly a photographer and I started working with John in 2017. And that was when I started working in like the climbing and outdoor space. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Cool. John, can you do mine too? That'd be... <laughs> you did great at that. <laughs> How did we... Cody, how did we first meet? I'm trying to remember when we first met. Was it from a Mountain Hardware uh, photo video shoot, something like this? It no, I wh- we met it with Josh and Charlotte at jo- uh, at Moe's Valley. Moe's Valley. Oh, Moe's that's Valley. right. Yes. And that's where I met Jerry. But also yes. both of you, but Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry is our dog, our tiny little dog. Um, and he's kind of like our mascot at Louder Than Eleven. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's that is when we met. So, so I'm Cody, and I'm, I'm waving like we're gonna show this the recording of this, and I'm still waving now with both hands. It's getting better. So, <laughs> so um, I I do quite a few things, but you know, applicable to this conversation and at this grant, um, I am presently a, a DEI consultant, so diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and uh, educator. 
Um, and I do consultancy work independently and educate through Crux Academy. And uh, when this grant was formed, I was the director of Climb United. And I've since left the staff for the American Alpine Club, um, but I'm now a board member uh, for the AAC. So still uh, quite tied to, to this grant and to uh, seeing it go forward. Great. So before we get into like, what is Pull Focus? What is the vision of it? All the details and the fun stuff like that. Um, I was wondering if you guys each could just get us all hyped up and share a cool story from being on set or being on location. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess, you know, a, a set for us could be just about anything. Um, we, you know, like Jess and I have been to Mount Everest together and I've been up on the side of El Cap and I've also been, you know, in a studio environment and we've done just about everything you can do in the outdoor space. Um, I think my favorite place to shoot is, is definitely in the vertical world in places that are really hard to get to and really challenging to exist in and also like kind of adds an extra layer of difficulty to what's possible um, and capturing stories that are interesting and rooted in performance climbing and in great, great storytelling. Um, but, you know, we did, uh, Jess and I did a fun shoot for Masterclass um, a couple of years ago. Um, we shot this um, How to Rock Climb with Tommy Caldwell and Alex Honnold. And uh, I was like the the like wall shooter. I was like the vertical world shooter because they didn't really know in Hollywood how to get up on a wall and capture that stuff quickly. Um, and we just have, we had so many fun stories from that shoot. We shot in a gym for a few days in LA and, you know, Alex and Tommy were demonstrating like the most basic techniques, which were really funny because, you know, for us, we're, we're all climbers. So we thought it was hilarious what they were explaining. And, you know, it was just like, crazy production, like over the top production, like 75 person crew, like food, like, uh, you know, trailers for people like, you know, there was like probably a 15 person crew just manicuring like the background so that the ground looked nice and they were like vacuuming it and ironing it and like making it perfect. So it looked like a natural background in a climbing gym. One of my favorite parts from that shoot though was, um, yeah, it was like a full on like Hollywood size crew there and we were shooting at um is it called moderate mecca yeah like a crag really easy to access crag um and there's a lady that just like walks her horses like their dogs basically like along this trail mm -hmm. she had this one beautiful white horse that was like it has nothing on it doesn't have a saddle or anything on and it it was ahead of her so all of a sudden this beautiful white horse just comes running in the like hills up this trail through our whole shoot and we're all just like what is happening <laughs> where did this horse come from and then there she comes like this beautiful woman with this long white hair and she's walking with the other horse and the other horse was running around like it was a dog like just like playing and jumping around and it was just like so unexpected all the i think i love whenever that happens when we're on climbing shoots and there's just like there's a lot of animals there's a lot of animals around mean meanwhile during that whole time that the horse was running around i was like dangling from the side of a wall with like a 70 pound camera and i was basically just like pointing the camera at the climbing action someone else was controlling focus another person was controlling the iris so the brightness of the shot 
another person was directing me how to frame it. And like, everyone is like yelling in my headset all the time while like Tommy and Alex are climbing on this like 510. And it was just, it was like the absurdity of the whole situation was just crazy. And, you know, there's like a director in the, in the like valley below with like their bank of TV monitors, looking at all the camera angles, like selecting which shots are great and like yelling at people. And there's all these like problems, but then we're also just like in Red Rock. And we're just like out there in the middle of nowhere. And it's just like, I don't know, between like me and Tommy and Alex and Jess and some of the other climbers that were involved, we're just like, this is completely insane, but we're just going to go with it. It's cool. You know, it's like kind of that crazy world when Hollywood meets uh, the outdoor industry, which it does every now and then. And it's exciting. You know, I've got one that doesn't include animals, but we were uh, shooting a, uh, and a film for uh, an endurance athlete um, based out of gold. Her name's Amelia Boone. And we had a small crew, just four of us. We all flew in from various cities into Denver. We showed up, we had put a ton of pre-production work in as you do for any film. <laughs> we had this whole, everything lined up. We knew exactly what we wanted to get. And she calls the day before we're going to shoot and says, hey, I took a really bad fall on the trail. I can't run. There's no way I can run. And I'm like, okay you're a running athlete and we're here to shoot essentially a running film. We got this, we got this, we can figure this out. And it was case of Red Bull and an all nighter rewrote the entire thing. And it turned out to be what we believed to be an incredible film. Uh, the client loved it. And it was, uh, it was cool. Cause it's like, we, it probably would not have been nearly as memorable if it weren't for that, like that series of unfortunate events. Um, and, you know, walking away from it, I, I can't remember the specifics of the film shoot itself, but I can remember rallying that night around this kitchen table in an Airbnb over Red Bulls and chips <laughs> and junk food, rewriting a whole film. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, it, like John just said, and like Jess described in the outdoor industry, you never know uh, what you're going to be met with. But it's it you're going to have a story to tell. That's for sure. I, I think usually when stuff starts going sideways is when it starts to get good. Like if the weather is really bad, it's usually going to be really good to shoot. Like if the, you know, character you're shooting is having a crisis or something's going on, that's the best time. Turn the camera on, let it roll. Yep. Like those are always the good times. So I don't know. I kind of love when stuff goes sideways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It definitely sounds like it causes uh, create some really good stories. So let's start talking about pull focus. Like I would love to hear the story of how this, Pull focus grant came to be originally. Yeah, I think Cody, um, I don't even remember exactly how. I think we were just kind of talking one day about, I don't, I think we were just brainstorming. Um, you know, I think we had been in the same place at the same time. I had probably been talking to a client and I would imagine that they said something like, you're telling a diverse story with this uh, film project that we've just, you know, provided you with or given you how diverse is your crew? And I was like, well, I'm white and my wife is white and we're the two people shooting usually. And you know what? Like we're not very diverse. So when we go to hire outside of our small group, we always try to be as diverse as possible, whether it's hiring a woman or someone from a diverse background in some capacity. So um, I think we kind of, we started to realize that there was a gap and that that gap meant that there was, you know, potential. And I think Cody and I just started chatting about the idea. And I think we just kind of brainstormed that, you know, we always get approached for internships 
and at louder than 11 and and typically the interns that apply for our internships or come to us in general with the ideas are of a very specific mold they're usually uh you know white males between the age of 18 and 25 usually um and and that's fine um but they're already coming from a, a place of privilege and they're coming into an industry that supports that and uh doesn't really look back and i think we're at a point where we can start developing more opportunities for people we can create more space for people that may or may not have had those opportunities otherwise who could be interested in this type of work too so i think like you know cody and i got to talking we we're like well you're at Cloud united we're at louder than 11. i think we can kind of combine all these really cool ideas and also fill this gap and cultivate a space for someone uh new and just start somewhere um we're definitely not going to change the world in any way whatsoever we're just going to do a little something to get it started and I think that was kind of what we started talking about, right, Cody? I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't remember really how else it came to be. It, it was in that studio in Denver. Um, we were doing the stretch down shoot for Mountain Hardware. Um, and yeah, and I just um, take, accepted the job offer for uh, Climbing United for the American Alpine Club. And we were talking about what the work is. And then you had mentioned that you and Jess had you know, been doing an internship program through the university. Uh, in Boulder, right? And that you wanted to increase like the reach into diverse communities. And like you said, it just all made sense. And so, um, yeah, it was like that one conversation at, that sparked all this. Um, and, and I agree with what you said, like, we're not going to change the world with this. Um, and, you know, I, I think on the early stages, at least on the, the AAC side, the American Alpine Club side, we got a little bit lost in like that concept. And I know it's a bit hackneyed of a phrase, but like not not letting perfect be the enemy of good. Like this grant is really, really good. Um, and perfect is an ideal that we, I don't think anything <laughs> can, can ever achieve. Um, but it's a really damn good place to start. Uh, in fact, I think it's an incredible place to start with the organizations and the people behind it. I mean, yeah, I think like also, you know, this is, this is imperfect in that it's never really been done before that I know of in this space. And I think it's not been done before because it's not easy to do. Um, mm -hmm. we, we are going to definitely provide, you know, Jess and I are going to provide whoever uh, receives this grant with as much as knowledge as we can about what we know about the industry and, and the world that we're in day to day. But, you know, like we don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. We're going to have to kind of feel it out a little bit. And you know what, like, if it if we don't nail it the first time, we're going to nail it the second time, um, and we're going to get closer and closer. So I think this is something that ultimately could evolve into, you know, something that happens every year or multiple times a year if it's really really good. I mean, the worst thing that could possibly happen in this scenario is that someone's awarded this grant, they come and learn from us, and they decide that the outdoor industry isn't for them. But I can't imagine a scenario where someone would be provided with this grant, get to come and live and, and hang out in Boulder work with us and and let us kind of help them learn about the industry and make a film. That's really all we want to do. So I guess the the devil's in the details. We'll see what ends up happening in the long run, but that's the goal. Yeah. And the, I think it was important just to try to take away the barriers, right? For someone to get a learning and kind of growing experience that was really hands-on. 
And so it's, we call it a grant, we call it an internship, but it's kind of, it really is kind of a combination of those two. And that's, that was the whole point is to just give them an opportunity to create something while also giving them, you know, low stress, just hands-on experience in the field. And hopefully those, those two things together could produce a really, um, like a really enriching three months, which is not very long. Yeah, I think it will be high stress, though, in some capacity, because that's how this industry is. I mean, they're going to be given three months to create something from start to finish. And I would imagine at times they're going to think they're going crazy because it's going to take a ton of work. And that's just that's just how the industry is. And that's part of the deal. So, you know, I, I think someone that uh, comes into this program expecting it to be, you know, an easy free ride is is not the right recipient. I think it's someone that really is passionate about this industry and about being a filmmaker or a photographer or an editor or a producer or any role in the outdoor industry that they might find out is their niche and that might be their thing. That's what we want is to to figure out what this recipient is good at, what they are psyched on and take them through the process from start to finish so they can see what is like cool and what isn't cool and maybe what they're like a superhero at and what they're not. So that's kind of the goal, I think. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, Jess, what you mentioned about like, it is not fully a grant and it's not fully an internship. It's like a hybrid of the two. And like what you just described, John, like that is exactly what we all talked about. Somebody can send their idea over in this application and then they have the means to support resources to, to bring it to life. And all of us who dabble in this space or who are leaders in this space, like the two of you, most often when we're starting out, that's our passion project and we're not paid for it. And we don't know what the hell we're doing. At least I didn't when I started off <laughs> and you're trying to figure it out. You're Googling everything. You're borrowing money from your own bank account to make things happen. And that was uh, like you said, Jess, the barrier that we wanted to remove, essentially, like you have a really great idea and you might not have access to the resources because you come from an underserved, underrepresented community. This is going to give you that access and will help remove that barrier. Um, it won't do it for you, right? Like you just said, John, you're going to, have to put a lot of work in because that's what filmmaking, that's what photography is in this industry. It's an exorbitant amount of work, <laughs> but this is going to be a big step right into uh, the center of the universe in terms of climbing uh, media. If you want to support this work, join the club. Your membership ensures we have a powerful voice in shaping inclusive climbing community and protecting public lands. If you join or renew during the month of June 2022, you'll also get a free limited edition t-shirt. Find out more at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash united-we-climb. Yeah, I'd like us to dig in a little bit more um, on just kind of in general, this is a hyper competitive industry, what that looks like, what are those barriers, and what has been each of your paths to get to where you are, and what has helped the most, and kind of how maybe that this internship will fill in those same gaps, potentially. Um, yeah, I, I can start with that. I mean, I, I started out as a pro climber in the pro climbing world. Um, and, you know, I took photography in high school and I had like a little, you know, uh, single lens reflex camera back then. And I did some dark room stuff, but it was no, in no capacity what like I'm doing now. 
Um, and then I went to school um, while also being a climber and really just caring about climbing only. And as I evolved, you know, into uh, more of a content creator, it was only because I just fell into it. I got a DSLR. I started filming myself because I wanted to make films about climbing and expose my own climbing accomplishments to the world so that I could get more exposure, really. I mean, I just wanted people to know who I was so that I could get more sponsorships, they would pay for trips and I could go climb. Um, but, you know, ultimately, like I realized, oh, a lot of my friends are really interesting pro climbers as well. And so I started shooting with them and we started making films and, you know, we just started traveling around, starting to do things that people noticed and liked and that just snowballed. Um, I definitely didn't have a mentor of any kind, which I wish I had. And, you know, I, I guess in retrospect, I wish I had gone to film school too to have learned all the extra things that I don't really know now that I kind of pick up here and there. But ultimately, you know, I didn't have a very strong photo video mentor in that space, which would have been very, very helpful. And I can see the value in that just from, you know, like shadowing shoots or, assisting on photo productions, like literally any time that I could have been involved in bigger productions would have been super helpful for me um, back in the day. And I know now like how much it means just to be like a fly on the wall in the room when uh, a e-commerce photo shoots going down or a documentary film is happening and you can just be there to see it happen because people who are interested in it, they absorb it really fast. And I mean, as, as time went on, I learned the tricks and stuff, but, you know, we, we brought on interns here and there. I think the very first intern we had, um, is, you know, still in the outdoor space. Uh, like I just licensed some stuff to him the other day for like a commercial. Um, so he's certainly still in the business and all the interns that we've been involved with have then gone out and found their own paths in different ways. And it's been really obvious that the ones that do well are the ones that want to do well. And they really learn a lot from the unpaid year that they spend with us usually, which is the case. Um, and that's something that I think is, is really cool about this pull focus scenario is that not only is it like covered, like paid in the, you know, sense that this grant will provide this person with uh, less barriers and less stress while they're living in Boulder, working with us and creating this content. But like, usually an intern will sit in our office for six months or, you know, four months and they're unpaid and they're stressed about where they're going to live, what they're going to eat, how they're going to go climb every day, like how this whole thing is going to work. And I think that's, what's really exciting about the pull focus idea is that hopefully some of those barriers are knocked down and they can really focus on the work and not stress. Um, and like I said, only stress about the work, <laughs> which is what we want. Um, so I think like, yeah, just knowing how important mentorship is in this space and how much you'll, you'll pick up, how quickly you'll learn the things that would have otherwise taken you years of developing your own processes to figure out when you can just watch someone who's already done it and knows what they're doing uh, to get you 90% of the way there and then lets you be creative within that space. That's the dream. Like, that's like invaluable experience that you're just not going to get from anywhere else. So that's why I really value mentorship now. And, and I really like that this is uh, potentially going to give someone a ton of experience. Um, yeah, I think another 
barrier to try and keep it kind of simple on this answer, um, and I'm sure Cody, you could probably add to this a lot, um, is like the barrier of just not having the relationships and the networking to, even if you make something really cool to make those connections that you need to be working in the space. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of that, that I think that hopefully this internship can just provide a little bit of an open door, providing a few connections, community, a little more um, openness to, to someone who has ideas and is wanting to work and just giving them a few, or maybe hopefully more than a few, like uh, relationships to be able to, to grow in and, and have opportunity with in the future. Yeah, I, I think all of that is exactly right. Because when we talk about removing barriers, it is access to mentorship and it's access to a social slash industry network, right? And, and that's really difficult for anybody, but especially when, because we're humans, we tend to surround ourselves in homogenous groups, right? Ones that look like us, do the same things as us, remind us of ourselves. And therefore, if you're coming from an underserved community, you've already had to go through so many different barriers in your life. The thought of actually actively reaching out to somebody, maybe through Instagram, right? They follow louder than 11. Sending a message as an underserved community member saying like, hey, John and Jess, I'm really excited to get into this industry. Um, could I approach you for mentorship? Like, it seems easy enough in, in, in theory, right? But if you're, let's say a young, I'm just going to use my culture as an example, because I don't want to speak for males. If you're a young, you know, Asian male, um, you know, even being a neurotypical, able-bodied, cis-hetero Asian male, that could be really difficult, especially if you're like super young, right? Like 18, 19 is coming up. And so that's what this is going to help do. It's removing that barrier and saying, well, now that access is going to be like right here. It's going to be immediate um, because it's very real. And it's really, really, it will take years, right? To overcome that sort of, a, a sort of adversity that somebody faces in their lives. Um, and then also, I do want to name on the other side of that, it's really difficult as people who hold power and privilege, like how do you, and maybe not really difficult is the right word, but it's challenging. How do you reach out into those communities, into diverse communities and their, and their, and the people in those communities to say, we want to provide this service without feeling like it's saviorism, like it's tokenism, like, like there's some optic that's going to benefit you. That's, that's, that's challenging in our society right now that is in this weird liminal space of what is like actual progress and what is performative. And, and we're, we're oftentimes, we as a society, really busy in ourselves with trying to figure out um, where we can find performance, like performative allyship to, to call it out, as opposed to saying, well, here is a good solution and it might not be the best and it might not be great, it might not be perfect, but it's pretty damn good. Let's support it. And this is pretty damn good. And I'm going to keep repeating that over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And I also can add to that and say that, you know, whether you're building a network of um, kind of on the back end with uh, people from companies, from, you know, nonprofits, from the individuals helping like Jess and I helping create this content, um, the recipient of this grant is also going to tell a story about a diverse topic in this space. And through that process, they're going to get closer to the subject that they that they're um, talking about, they're going to, you know, 
create something that's going to be a portfolio builder for them down the road that will then gain exposure into the to the space more. Um, and they'll actually have a tangible thing that they can show to anyone that might be interested in, in seeing what's going on with their abilities. Um, so I, I see it being like, I, I, I don't know, every time I do a photo shoot or a video shoot, like it just it just builds off of itself and you you meet new people you meet new models if you're doing an e-com shoot your network grows you meet you know a new producer from the brand that you're working with and your network grows and you meet a new cool uh runner or climber or fly fisherman or angler sorry angler um you know you just like connect with all these people and suddenly they're like a part of your network and you can go and talk to them anytime you need to and i think that that scenario will just suddenly open a bunch of interesting new paths that this individual who gets this grant can follow or just have as a safety net. Yeah, and I also want to mention one thing here that I feel is really important, and and we were really direct in naming this um, on both the Louder Than Eleven and the American Alpine Club side when we developed this, and that it's there is an issue right now in not just outdoor media but in media in general that. If you're a black creative in February, that's really good, right? But the rest of the year, eh, not that big of a deal. And we want to change that. So the idea is when this film is done, when this project has been created, we want brands to share this not as like, look what this Asian filmmaker made. But it's like, just look what this filmmaker made. And here's their story that they're telling, right? And it's not going to be only shared during Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month or only during like you know, LGBTQ plus month, things like that. Like it's going to be shared all the time. And when people reach out to them as a filmmaker, they reach out to them all the time as a filmmaker. Um, and that's another barrier that we really want to break down with how we push this out um, into the ecosystem once it's, uh, once it's done. For me, one of the big picture goals of this, right, is that hopefully as, you know, the next few years go on, hopefully like you know, representation in front of the camera looks similar to representation behind the camera. And I think that that's, I might be wrong, but in the last couple of years in the outdoor space, there's been a lot of um, more diversified representation in front of the camera, but not really behind it. And so that was, I think a lot of the, the main aspiration of this was to take one tiny step towards, you know, trying to like improve that a little bit or get that idea out there that that needs to be have quite a bit more equity and a bit more inclusion a major barrier we haven't even touched on sorry cody is money and video equipment we haven't really talked about that which is kind of like a huge maybe goes without saying barrier in that space i mean having a even just being able to buy a nice photo cameras is a huge barrier but when you want to make something with video that's not made with your iPhone, it's pretty overwhelming undertaking. Um, so obviously providing someone access to all of that um, equipment and, you know, learning how to use different kinds of equipment and how to use different tools to tell their story is obviously a, a huge barrier, maybe the main barrier we're trying to get rid of in this situation. Yeah, people often argue that, oh, you could do, you know, you could make incredible work on an iPhone if you know what you're doing or whatever. You can do it on a cheap camera. Yes, of course you can. But then 
you're just challenging yourself with that medium and you're challenging you're making things harder for yourself to create this content like video cameras are awesome because they make things way easier like really nice cameras are awesome because it makes photography way simpler um i mean i think like you know for louder than 11 to be able to provide all of our equipment to this individual who wins this grant then you know instantly they obviously will have to familiarize themselves with the tool but they won't have to stress about like, where am I getting a camera from? You know, how can I possibly make this work when, you know, a camera costs $10,000. So, I mean, I think this is going to be like you're saying, Jess, a, a huge, uh, extra layer of kind of production support. Basically, I think one of the coolest things and huge props to the a lodge for hooking us up with a place to stay. Like this is, this was actually like one of our biggest challenges in this grant process in general was to find a place for the recipient to live and feel comfortable and to call home while they're in Boulder for, you know, a few months coming from who knows where in America. Um, so I think like that is, that to me is like even more important than the gear, because like you said, you can, you can shoot stuff on like crappy old cameras, but you can't stay in your car. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a place to sleep and you have to feel comfortable and safe. So you guys have already started hitting on some of the kind of key uh, elements of the partnership and the internship, um, the lodging, the gear and equipment and uh, that sort of thing. But is there anything else you want to add about what interns can expect from this partnership? Yes, definitely. Whoever wins this grant and becomes an intern at Louder Than 11 will be creating a project from start to finish. Um, that project is loosely defined because we don't want to dictate exactly what's being made. We want creativity to rule here. We want storytelling to rise, best storytelling to rise to the top. We want uh, the topic and subject matter to be compelling to the individual that is creating it. That's ultimately what makes things great in the outdoor industry. Um, so I think, you know, what you can expect if you are awarded this internship is that you're going to go through the whole process from start to finish on a video production, um, whether, you know, it's pre-production, production or post-production, you're going to learn all about the steps and you're going to go through the process of, uh, learning that whole process. It's, it's a really like time consuming thing. And a lot more goes into the films that are made than you would imagine. So, um, we would just be providing, uh, guidance and some of our expertise on what's worked for us in the past. Um, it's certainly not the gold standard, but it works for us. <laughs> and, uh, I think that any intern that, that, that comes and joins us for three months is going to come away having learned a big chunk of all the processes and have done them themselves. Like you're going to learn how to edit. You're going to learn how to write a script. You're going to learn how to shoot a scene. You're going to learn how to do audio. You're going to learn how to do lighting. You're going to learn how to interact with talent. You're going to learn how to interact with brands. Um, you're going to learn how to deliver a project to a client and the client being louder than 11, the AAC and the partners involved. Um, I know a big question is, you know, what happens to that film afterwards? Um, we don't know what this individual is going to create yet. So 
we don't know if it's going to be, you know, a thing that lives in the film festival world, or if it's more like branded content for a company. Um, it's entirely up to whoever um, wants, whoever wins this and whoever's inspiration, whatever, wherever it leads them. So we're kind of loose on, on what that is now, because we don't know what the final outcome of the project will be, but we do know that we want this person to create something that they're proud of ultimately having gone through the whole process and to be able to have a portfolio builder that they think is rad and that they're psyched to show to other people and say that I made this and I did this. So I think that's like kind of the, the top level, um, you know, in addition to all of that, you know, if you have a down day and you're not working, you know, eight hours on your project, then, you know, Jess and I are, are doing productions day in and day out, and we're in all kinds of different levels of production. So you'll get to learn about all the little like ins and outs of commercial stuff and documentary work and like billing and QuickBooks and taxes and all the horrible stuff that you don't want to know about. But if you go into business as a freelancer, you're going to have to know about. So I think like that will be a huge learning experience in addition to whatever you take away from, you know, the filmmaking world on that one production. Yeah. And I think we tried to leave a lot of the parameters pretty loose because we might have somebody that is chosen for this, that has a really strong idea of what they want to grow in. Like they might already have, they already might know they want to be, you know, working hard at being a better editor or a better photographer or something. And, but they also might come in not knowing what they want to lean into or what they're going to enjoy or be good at. And so we're kind of leaving it open-ended on that to just kind of tailor fit it to the right, to the person and what they're interested in. I think they're also going to see what it takes to do an actual film project, an actual commercial or client or documentary piece. And, and I say actual because, and I'm not trying to say that one is better or worse, but I feel like social media has done a really good job at making it seem that filmmaking is a pretty easy thing. Um, and let me, let me, I'll inform that a little bit by, I was recently down in El Petreo Chico shooting a film and it was uh, definitely had a, nar- a narrative to it. And, it, you know, we pitched this at about seven to nine minutes long. And uh, the client said, okay, great. So you, you'll need like a day to shoot this. You'll get like 20 minutes of content. And my jaw like could not have dropped any lower. <laughs> I was thinking one day to shoot a seven to nine minute film but it, it's it's a simple like example like that the real reveals like how misunderstood the creative process is for shooting a film and we filled terabytes of hard drives and it took days and days and days of just on set shooting to accomplish this seven to nine minute film and it's actually like a 12 minute runtime right now we're trying to bear it down it's an incredibly tough process and and I feel like somebody's going to have this opportunity to really get a sense like this is what it takes to thrive in this industry. It's a lot like uh, it's a lot like what you see on social media with climbers. Like you see the send, but you don't see all the work that goes into that send and all the failure and all the horrible stuff that goes into trying to send your project. Like you just see the polished, like clean send. And, you know, the the production world is just like that. If you are cis white and straight and able-bodied and you feel left out what would you say to those people 
can I jump in on that one? Yeah. I, I don't mean to. <laughs> and and I'll, I'm going to be pretty bold in this, but I think also kind. Um, you know, if you're cis, white, straight, neurotypical, able-bodied, and you feel left out by this grant, um, I would encourage you uh, to rethink that with some empathy and understand why so much effort has been put into creating this grant, why it took us over a year to convince all of the key stakeholders that this grant and the way we're doing it is right and why we've had to rethink it so many different ways because it is one grant for one person to help balance incredible inequities in our industry and in our society. And those inequities favor cis, hetero, neurotypical, able-bodied white folks. And if you're left out of a single grant, imagine what it's like to have to have a single grant to give you one opportunity to have access to the things that a lot of folks in dominant culture just have access to simply because they're born into it. Although everybody has their own barriers, we're trying to help folks who have just mountains of barriers to get through. Yeah, that's that's the whole point. We're, we're providing something that otherwise wouldn't be there. Um, I can say from my life, you know, I grew up in a white middle class family in central Virginia with very little barriers to what I could or couldn't do. And, you know, I, I started Louder Than 11 in 2008 and I didn't start making money with Louder Than 11 until realistically like 2015 or 16. So I put in a long, long time without getting paid. And in retrospect, that's because I was privileged and I didn't have barriers and I was able to do these things because I I was just, I didn't have those barriers. Like I, that's, that's the, that's the thing. We want to create this for an individual who's nothing like me, who could become something great in the industry that otherwise wouldn't if they didn't have this opportunity. Awesome. Thank you guys um, for reflecting on that. I also just want to finish this off with kind of dreaming big. What are some potential outcomes that the chosen uh, grant recipient might experience you know what are the out what like dreaming big what are the potential outcomes uh the potential outcome at a bare minimum would be that they satisfy their client with this project and that they grow as an individual like the client for this is is us like we're we want there to be some pressure on this person so that they can uh feel what it's like to be in the industry and create something in this space with a little bit of that time pressure that uh, client pressure, that that feeling of what it's like to be in the industry. Um, but long term, this individual should identify whether or not this is the space for them, that they like it or not, that in, that production and the outdoor industry is where they belong and where they feel like their skills will help add to the greater good of the climbing industry. And I think that they'll know like right away how valuable this will be. And I would hope that they would hopefully pass on some of that knowledge to someone else in their position originally and, you know, continue the cycle. And hopefully more and more people are able to benefit and learn and 
grow the community and diversify our community in the outdoor space in the production world. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, if, if they, if, if this person looks at the Louder Than 11 site and the American Alpine Club and all the supporting partners and look at the content that these folks produce and that they're part of, like, that could be you if you are the person who receives this grant. You could be in that system creating this content with these brands and beyond. And, and like John just said, then you can use that as a way to help bring other folks in and, and, and really make this, this outdoor community help, help fill it up um, with, with more representation from a more diverse set of voices and experiences and, and optics. And damn, that's going to be friggin' awesome. And being right at the impetus of that, that's what this can be. Um, and anyone should be psyched about that. Yeah, on a, on a less like grandiose scale, I guess potential outcomes could be like, you know, regular work as a producer, regular work as an editor, regular work as a camera operator, <laughs> regular work doing sound. That's actually probably even more grandiose. That's a really big deal. <laughs> I mean, the, those are really realistic things that could happen because there's there's a lot of demand for that. We, <laughs> we will hire there. you. We will, we will hire. Yeah, we will hire you. We need we need an editor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm kidding. I mean, we need we need everything. But um, <laughs> but John just really hates editing. Um, Editing's the worst. <laughs> but people that are good at editing are like so valuable. So like, valuable. It's so awesome when you find some, when you just identify someone that's good at something. Like we have a guy that does all of the producing for us now, and he's like so good at producing. Like that's just like his calling. And he just like goes so hard on producing and he's like so amazing at it. And like Jess is like an amazing photographer and like she, that's like her superpower, you know, like someone is going to identify their superpower in this scenario. And, you know, maybe it's just like making people laugh on set and feel comfortable, or maybe it's, I don't know, being a really good editor. Maybe it's like being an awesome filmmaker that they didn't know they could tap into that ability. And yeah, maybe they'll find a lot of work actually. I mean, that's what we're seeing is like, as, as, new individuals come into the space they get work because there's so much of it there is a ton to do and there's plenty of room for all of us and we can be creating new spaces all the time and telling diverse stories with diverse cast and diverse crew that's just like it's so simple and so easy but it's going to take time and we got to start so this is the beginning John, Jess, and Cody, thank you so much for being here today and sharing about the Pull Focus Grant. Uh, We're so excited at the AAC to be launching this. Um, and applications are open from now to July 17. Um, and we want to see your application. We're really excited about it. Today's show was hosted by me, Hannah Provo, and produced by Sierra McGivney. If you are a budding creative and psyched about the Pull Focus Grant, apply before July 17th on our website at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash pull-focus-grant. If you want to support this work, join the AAC or renew your membership. If you join by the end of June, you'll get a free limited edition t-shirt. 
Find out more at AmericanAlpineClub.org slash united-we-climb.